the, the biggest investment most people will make is their home, right? And that's where they have such a big nest egg. So we have to really be conscientious about not just doing everything reactive based on technology and even reactive based on algorithms. We have to do it based on, especially for large objects, we have to do it based on relationships. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, General Manager of the U.S. Market for Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents leverage the power of verified reviews. You can find out more at ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 277 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I get to talk to another CEO. And for this episode, it's Tammy Bunnell, CEO of Exit Realty Corporation International. She's been with the company over two decades and CEO since 2012. She's all over the place. I mean, she's at every conference I've ever been to, I've seen Tammy. She's uh, wonderful on stage. She's got a great presence online as well. And I love the message she delivers about uh, being human. And I can't wait to get this thing started. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I, I'm so excited to, to actually talk to you for the first time. I've been near you many times. I know that sounds creepy, but <laughs> at conferences and things where you were coming off stage and talking to people, and I just didn't have time to get my question in with you. Uh, just It's just going to be really fun to, to get to know you a little better today on the show and, and talk about Exit Realty and uh, some of the things you're doing. But but first, I got to start with Bob McKinnon. I I got to, I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago and he is amazing. Do, do you have a, is there, there's gotta be a Bob story that you can share with us. Well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to back this up a little bit. Number one, um, one of the best days I've, I've ever had working with exit was when Bob said yes to working exclusively with us. There's no doubt about it. He's been the consummate professional and I probably have some, uh, cognac and cigar stories that I won't share. <laughs> He's, a, he's an amazing guy and he's lived an incredible life. But what I will share is that it's such a gift for us to have him as um, the director of leadership because leadership is so important to him. But one of the things that he does uh, so well for us that I think it just speaks volumes of who he is as a human being and, and what he's like. He's been in this business for more than 40 years and he's an, a very well-trained public speaker. And he can he could literally have lived the rest of his life by being the sage on the stage. Mm-hmm. And he's decided to be the guide on the side instead and have an impact on as many people's lives as humanly possible. One of the things he did with us was um, he created a program called Ambassador Training, and they bring in a dozen people at a time. And he's actually done so well with it that he's taught it to other trainers. Um, and I was very fortunate to be part of one of the very original ones that he did, but he brings in a dozen people at, for two days and teaches them public speaking. And originally it was, you know, to be able to do that elevator speech and be an ambassador for the company. But what we found was not only do people really grow in a, an environment they feel safe in, but this is people that are everything from they're scared to death to stand up and even say their name. You can see the chair shaking behind them as they're standing up to introduce themselves to people that have had their own shows. 
And all of them want to improve. And he has such a great way of helping you to self-realize so that he video cams it all. The In the be beginning, nobody wants to be a critic, right? They're all scared to death and they want to see everybody do great because they know they're going to get judged next. And by the time they all leave, they've all shared what's worked with them. They've shared their lives. They've shared their fears. It's amazing. And, you know, he or she who speaks leads. So we've created this unbelievable group of ambassadors within the organization. And Bob has chosen that really being that guide on the side, if I keep putting the right leadership in front of people, they'll crave wanting to be that type of leadership. So I honestly believe that this is going to probably be one of the biggest parts of his business legacy. Wow. For sure. I, look, it's episode two seventy five. If you're listening, go listen to it. He's he is he is his story is amazing. I, it's, it's all I can say. He's great. Well, let's talk about you, Tammy. I your accent is unmistakable, especially for somebody who grew up in San Diego and never won anything in the sports world. Um, are, look, are you from Massachusetts? I am. If you give me a glass of wine or get me overtired, I sound like a Kennedy. <laughs> Tell me, tell me about growing up in Massachusetts. Right? Were you in Boston proper? Or were you just outside of Boston. Okay. Just outside of Boston. But I grew up doing the cheap seats at the Red Sox and, uh, you know, those kind of opportunities. Going to hockey games all the way back when it was um, Jerry Cheevers and um, Bobby Orr and Ken Hodge. And um, actually got to see Ken Hodge get a hat trick. And um, actually, I had a crush on <laughs> uh, no. hats socks Bruins, oh. celtics aren't you embarrassed by the the riches you've you've had in your life when it comes to championships are you embarrassed a little bit yeah it's terrible um you know what i love the fact well first of all we're if you explain it in boston terms it's diehard we're diehard fans you know and so we really are focused on that. And we even kind of do it generation after generation. I have three children and my oldest son, who's extraordinarily bright, he's he's much older now. I probably shouldn't say it out loud. He'll get a big head. But um, he has a really high IQ, but not a lot of common sense. Right. And so the very first time I took him, he just cared about stats. My other two definitely cared more about the game. But I took him to go to a Red Sox game. And, um, you know, we were like, uh, I was like June Cleaver. We both had the red and you know white baseball jackets on going to the game. He wanted to take underground transportation, so we took the T in. And it just so happened that um, the Grateful Dead were in town, and so we got off the train. Uh, we got off the T, got on the train, and when we landed in um, North Station, here we are with all these people with uh, all these groupies with uh, halter tops on and beads and selling wares so that they could get into the Grateful Dead conversation, uh, you know, concert. And my son said he was like 10 years old. And he said, Oh my goodness. I had no idea the homeless situation was quite this bad. They're not homeless. They're deadheads. And he's like, what? Um, we did right. end up having a good time at the game, but uh, it was really funny. Just good timing. Timing wise, it was really funny, but I think that you can't help it here. I, the one thing I will say though, and it's not everybody, we're definitely huge fans um, I'm a huge fan of sports in general, just everybody playing together as a team and poetry in motion, right? When you watch, watch everybody uh, play and work together as a team. Early on with Exit, we actually sponsored a basketball game in Utah, and it was the Utah Jazz against the Lakers, right? And it was actually magical. Uh, the Utah Jazz had much better individual skill sets 
but they didn't play as intuitively as a team. And the Lakers, I got to meet Shaquille O'Neal that day, um, but the, almost their entire first string had injuries. And so um, it was really unbelievable to watch still that second string poetry in motion. Uh, these guys were great independent, but they did not really work together as a team. And their individual skill sets were phenomenal, but they just didn't instinctively know what the other person was going to do. They didn't play like that. And so I make bets on occasion on games uh, more for fun, you know, with family members or that kind of stuff. But I can usually tell in the very beginning of the game, just we're watching that, watching for that. Right. Yeah. And so I had all these people from Canada because the company originated from Canada and about when I'm going to say, you guys want to make a little wager on this. Right. Um, they say, what period is this? Cause they only focus on hockey. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that yeah. was funny. And the Lakers did end up winning. And I think I won a couple hundred bucks in dinner. Nice. Yeah. That's not just a little bit with family. That's awesome. Yeah. The dinner part's the best part. Um, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So, you know, like I, as I said before, it's, um, you know, growing up in San Diego, there's just, there was nothing, but now having relocated to St. Petersburg, Florida for the last four years, oh, nice. we had a great year. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. Right? So I had a good time. Um, so do you like Brady or not like Brady? Well, I hated Brady until the moment he signed with the bucks. Yeah. Then I love Brady. That's, <laughs> I think that's how it works. That's pretty straight, straightforward. I still uh, love him. I, still oh, love I think, him. I think, I think there's a whole bunch of people in Massachusetts, Boston, wherever you want New England that claimed that Super Bowl. It is Brady. It's kind of ours too. I get that's, I think that's the thought process up there, which is totally fine. No, it's um, just anybody that has that level of skill set. Oh, unbelievable. You know, um, yeah, unbelievable. Um, so 16 year old Tammy, you're in high school, you're, you're there in Massachusetts. Are you thinking about real estate at all? Well, there's a little secret that you might not know, but I sold my first house when I was 13. Wow. So let's, let's, well, I, th I think I know the answer to that question. It's a re resounding yes. So I sold on site for builders until I was old enough to get my real estate license. Wow. I was actually started uh, cleaning houses for new construction because I could, I'm a daughter of Irish immigrants and work ethic is the first thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was cleaning houses in subdivisions so that we'd be scraping the windows and cleaning the houses for people to move in. And the realtor that was representing the builder made a mistake and there was a, the wall was supposed to be knocked out between the kitchen and the dining room and it wasn't. And so there I'm hearing yellowing, yelling and screaming and I'm scraping the window going, please make me invisible. Please make me invisible. And they slam the door and walk out. And then the builder put his fist through the wall. And so I jumped through the window and said, I think you just broke your hand. He hit a stud. And um, I, he said, uh, drive me to the hospital. So I drive him to the hospital. I'm 13 years old. I lied through my teeth and told him that I was 18. So um, anyway, I drove him to the hospital. And on the way there, he's complaining about everybody's skill set. And I'm like, how hard is it? You paint a picture. You want white. You want off white. You just have to understand how the house is built and what it is they, they want. And he said, you think you can sell houses? And I said, absolutely. He said, good. Start next Saturday. So I got $500 a house. And um, so that was pretty cool. And so it got me a little hooked on it, but it was very disorganized, very, very disorganized. So I actually ended up going, get focusing on finance a lot more for a period of time. And I was, uh, we moved to the South for four years. We moved to Tennessee for four years, but missed family. So we moved back to New England. I'm one of six kids. My husband's one of nine. So, um, you know, missed all the, all the whole family and that those dynamics. And so we were moving back up to New England, but 
while I was down there, they started acquiring real estate companies. And they said, we looked at your history, kid, you might have a knack for this. And it turned out I did. So when I came back up, I focused on building brands. So I sold franchises and did mergers and acquisitions and taught mergers and acquisitions. I was always more on the business side of it, right? How to make a, most people in real estate, they get a real estate license, they do reasonably well, they get a broker's license, they hang up a shingle, say I'm in business, but most of them really didn't have a business acumen. That's actually kind of how franchising started, right? It was a track to run on for people. And so I thought it was really disorganized as, as a whole. And so I got really interested in the back room. So I started selling franchises, teaching mer mergers and acquisitions. And, um, you know, I was instrumental in building three major brands before coming to exit. And this, this is all like, this is all just learned in the real world. Is yes. It? I mean, that's, I, that's amazing. I mean, that's, I that's just, incredible. Um, literally at, 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 at uh, whoever the leader's person was feet. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Um, Somehow we get you to exit. Now it's been a while. You've been there over twenty years, right? Yeah, been twenty. Yep. How, how did you uh, come to, to you know? How did you come to find them? How did you come to be connected to them? Well, I was um, uh, top in the world for another brand selling franchises, and I wanted to buy a region, but there were no regions that were available. And in having conversations with everybody, really all the moves I could possibly make were just a, a, a lateral move. And then a friend of mine gave me information about exit. They started in Canada and they said, hey, we don't have an interest in this, but you might. And so I called and asked if they'd come down for a presentation and they did. And I kind of feel like the guy from Gillette, sorry to bring up the Patriots again, but um, I kind of feel like the guy from Gillette, I like the company so much I bought it. So I bought the rights to the New England states and then... Um, in 1999, in 2000, I became vice president over the U.S. In 2001, I became president over the U.S. And in 2012, I became CEO. Uh, what I love more than anything about our company is that everybody that's been hired to do that job was doing the job before they already got it, right? We, were, we all fell in love and got tied to this cause. And so we were willing to do whatever it took to make sure that it took off. Yeah. And um, it's been a love affair. Oh, obviously. I mean, um, watching, you know, doing research for this interview and, and just seeing the passion you have when you're doing videos for your agents sometimes. Sometimes it's maybe for a conference or other things, but man, you're 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 so connected uh to your to the company, to the people, as you put it, to the humans. Um, for those people that I don't know who out there wouldn't know this, but let's let's share the exit strategy because I, I came across exit realty in Phoenix. I was there with Chicago title at the time. Oh, I met yeah. Annette, I met Annette Anthony. Um, I was doing some, I would, I would um, help agents be smarter with technology was my position. I would really helping the sales team get more appointments. And I would, I taught a couple of sessions in X for exit uh, at their office there in uh, Scottsdale. And so it was, uh, it was a great opportunity to, to kind of see that, but can you just share that quick, um, What's what makes exit special? Okay, and I'm going to go through seven things, but it'll be quick. Sure. Um, and 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 thanks for mentioning Annette. That was another great day for me when she agreed to come to work, and she said this is the last business card she'll ever have. So um, I'm a fan of that too. When we looked at launching the company, when Steve Morris, the founder and chairman, looked at launching the company, he was smart enough to step outside the box and look at what do other industries offer that isn't offered in real estate. And what do people want? So he interviewed top producers making a quarter of a million dollars and up from all fates, all brands and independents. What do you love about what you, where you are? What don't you love? And if you could wave a magic wand, you know, paint that picture for me. Number one, everybody bar none said leadership. 
That's why we have Bob McKinnon as a director of leadership, because we think leadership is incredibly important. But that made us put leaders as regional owners, boots on the ground, uh, regional owners in uh, provinces and in states so that there's somebody there that will help facilitate helping grow per person productivity, helping to those brokerages to grow, helping everybody feel part of something. Uh, so number one was leadership. Number two, they wanted education. So we made sure that we provide education from I just got my license, now what do I do? All the way to the consummate professional making millions of dollars. Webinars, techinars, live interactive, total immersion, everything so that you can learn the way that you learn best. Number three, they wanted help with technology. Uh, that's where Annette comes in, right? So she's our vice president of technology engagement. And really, and you know from having done this with Chicago Title, that um, it's Tony Robbins' statement, not mine, but information without implementation equals poverty. And so we found that most of the time it was user error. <laughs> it was a human behind the transaction. It was a human behind the device. So she comes in and she teaches the broker owners in the morning all of the things that are specific to exit. And then she adds additional tools and she teaches them additional tools ongoing all the time. And then the agents come in in the afternoon, but they bring their tablet, they bring their device, they bring their laptop, they bring their phone, and they learn in real time so that she's present to lean over the shoulder and say, let me help you with that so that they are actually implementing and using it. Because the key words, they wanted help with technology. Uh, number four, they wanted help with the details. So we made sure that everything we built is single entry so that it's really user-friendly. In fact, all of our technology is stacked. So as we're seeing all these acquisitions out there like crazy and you don't know who's gonna buy who and who's gonna be competing with who, we will never have to skip a beat because all of our technology stacks so you can plug and play. So if we bring in a new office or top producers or top team, they can put in their own, they have their own CRM, they can plug it into what it is that we have so that they can still use some of our stack, they don't have to use all of it. It gives them choices, but it also gives us choices and control so that we'll never have to stop or slow down. Number five, they want a marketing program they can track, so our technology is intuitive. But we also have technology like smart sign technology, so if you pull up in front of a house and you text 85377 and you punch exit in front of an exit listing, it'll send the listing to your phone. And that gives our agents control because they see who's looking at the property. The consumer gets information on the property because they don't want to see a realtor right away, right? They want to look around. Um, and we have smart uh, business cards. So if you text 85377 and you punch in T-A-M-I and hit send, you'll get my mobile business card. And now you have all the ways to contact me, but I'm also in your phone so that you're comfortable with me when we have conversations, which helps give the agents control of their business, right? We have a digital marketing strategy that will help them to get nine out of 10 listings. And it's very simple and user-friendly and works on both sides of the transaction. And we have an app because the consumer wants speed and transparency and they want us to be the solution. And so it gives them visibility regardless of where they are in North America. And if the parents want to chime in or the people on the other side of the transaction so that everybody can see it. So, um, that gives them control over more leads so they don't have to count on, you know, we're seeing an awful lot of disruptors, right? They can do an awful lot of counting on their own. Plus we go out and research a lot of things that are out there and make sure that we have a key dif differentiator in every area. Number six, they want image. So um, we focused on being the smartest real estate company. Part of my job is to be a good for forecaster and stay ahead of that curve on where the opportunities are mm -hmm. and make sure that they're prepared for those things that are going on. Um, so that they're not reacting, right? They're proactive in the industry. Yeah. And number seven, they want skin in the game. They want a vested interest. So 
where it's kind of like Sam Walton. He said, "Where I'm going to reward people for the percentage of my company they help build. And he created more millionaires than anyone in the history of the world. Well, um, do you think Sam was right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So we figured that assets of a real estate organization are agents. So any um, agent or broker or regional owner that introduces an agent into the company as a special thank you from cor corporate headquarters, they receive the equivalent of 10% of the gross commission up to $10,000 a year every year for as long as they're with the company. Um, as good as that is, they can introduce anyone anywhere in the world. There's an exit office. So that equivalent, and it can be for a broker, it can be for an agent, it can be for a regional owner, um, but it can also work great in acquisitions. We have 79% of the population in real estate uh, brokers have 10 agents or less. Uh, a lot of them are getting a little bit older. Instead of giving them a small lump sum, they can continue to get steady, consistent income mm -hmm. and they really care about their agents. So it's great even for acquisitions. We even thought about retirement. So if I retire and we deem retirement as anybody doing less than eight transactions, because we always want to teach them how to produce and make a good, great living, um, then they make 7% of that income even in retirement. The other 3% goes to the brokerage because we want the brokerage to have a ballast. But they even thought about my family. And if I die, my beneficiary makes 5% of that income even after I'm gone. The other 5% goes to the brokerage for a ballast. So it's benefits like real people with real jobs. Right. If you and I went to dinner, Bill, to a, a really nice restaurant tonight, and um, the waiter that waited on us had a vested interest in the restaurant, how much better is our service? Uh, yeah, significantly better. Yeah. Yeah. So we created that culture, and it's automatic. Even if I didn't introduce you in, I want to mentor you because we're all in the same office. And so there is no cutthroat environment. Everybody works more together as a family and they help each other even when there's somebody else not there. And that's been uh, that's been a total win. And it's certainly been extreme uh, during the pandemic because we have always been real estate humanized. I love the way that your company uses that word. And, and, and look, I, I think the word leads, it just rubs me the wrong way. Thank you. You too, right? Yeah, they're right. people, right? Right. <laughs> so talk about that. I mean, why? what's this fixation on dehumanizing real people trying to make something happen in their life? Well, I think that the problem with dehumanizing, there are an awful lot of entities, you know, we've spent billions of dollars on technology, trying to technology, trying to jump into the real estate space. But I'll tell you that there's two things a disruptor cannot disrupt. And that is skill set and great relationships. Mm. I've had the good fortune in my life of breaking seven world records in sales. And I can tell you there's nothing fancy about me. But the biggest thing that I did differently is that I did as much homework on the person as I did on the product. So I found out what was really important to you. I never went out to sell anything. We're going to have a conversation. I'm going to add value to your life. And we're going to determine if this makes the most sense for you, right? Whether you're joining as an agent, a broker, but the same thing is true in real estate. And that's so important for, um, I, I spoke a couple of years ago in a in the mid-Atlantic region, and I was speaking at HUD, actually. And then I had a speaking engagement with our people and people they brought in as guests. And it was right when the um, Investing in Opportunities Act came out, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So I was talking about that, too, because no one knew about it. It was this biggest, best kept secret. But I was also talking about the future of the industry. And there was a young man there that was from one of our offices, and he had a listing appointment and he was the fourth one to go in and he was excited, but he was nervous. And I said, do me a favor, Google them, friend them on Facebook and connect with them on LinkedIn. If you can, before you go into the appointment, tell me what you know about him already. And he said, he's in his mid seventies. He owns his own company as a family. And I said, so I would go in and I would ask him where he sees himself in the next one, three, five years. 
Ask him what his real estate dreams are. Ask him why he invited you in to do a, a listing appointment mm -hmm. and ask him if he has any plans for retirement and um, what does that look like and where will he end up? So in having that conversation with him, the gentleman said that he was the only person that didn't just automatically come in with a CMA and something flashy. And um, he said, I want to make as much money as I can on this property. Um, so I want to know if this is the right time to list. It's funny. Nobody asked me that. And he said, you know what? I'd hold right now because properties are going up in value. And why don't we stay connected every couple of weeks? And I'll tell you when I see the most opportune time so we can make that decision together. Where do you plan and when do you plan on retiring? And he said sometime in the next one to three years. And he said he talked to him a little bit about investing in Opportunities Act, told him to look it up. And he said he wanted to move to the Carolinas on the ocean. He said, well, waterfront property is probably going to always go up for most circumstances. Why don't I refer you to somebody there um, that understands it and you can have a conversation and maybe that's something you do right now. He didn't owe anything on his property. He was pretty good, um, you know, cash flow position. So he bought a property in the Carolinas. He taught him how to do short term investing. He helped so that he paid off that property in two years. He listed his property about 15 months later. He made $150,000 more than he would have if he had listed it prior. And he bought five investment properties from him during that time frame. So he actually increased his net worth by $2.4 million, roughly. Wow. Yeah, by asking questions and listening instead of running in there, you know, full bore, just here's my, here's my gig. Let's talk about some of the things you do with technology. I love watching you on video. You're not afraid of being on video. Was it tough for you at the beginning when you first start? When it, you know, it's been the year of video in real estate since like 2010, right? <laughs> for every year, it's a year of video. Talk about your, your how you embrace that and how you use that in whether it's for uh, internally with your with your uh, humans or with uh, people outside your your business. You know, we're all only good at a few things. And um, I was intimidated about doing the videos, but I really believe that part of my job is to show people something of who they can become, right? Even if I just show them three to five degrees angle in a different corner to show them, literally catch them doing something and tell them what I see in them and helping them to grow to the next level. And so when you're doing those videos and you're sharing information, incentivizing them and inspiring them to want to be more and to want them to be better and trying to touch their lives. And that's really, that's the favorite part of my job, honestly, is not necessarily the videos. I don't mind doing it, but it's more that opportunity to be able to touch their lives and let them know that we really do genuinely care. Um, and they want to see human beings, right? They want to see that it's a real tangible human being. It's not an airbrushed person. It's a real human that's realistic um, and that really shows them that they genuinely care and they want to see them get to the next get to the next level in their lives and really think about doing that. So um, our entire organization was built on human potential. I saw a blog post you wrote and you have this very interesting take on the pandemic. You know, it's hard not to talk about that. It's been just a, big, a massive piece of our lives for the last year. And uh, you use the word indifference. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, there were people that were really panicking on uh, about the pan pandemic, right? And there's a, a fear factor out there. And there's also opposing sides. I mean, we see there's so many opposites on so many things within our country, right? I mean, we're so polarized and that's a really frustrating thing to run into. But what I found is that 
um, because of technology, probably more than anything else, we've started to focus so, and we're getting so inundated with information, right? We're getting crazy information. It doesn't matter if it's social media or if we're watching a, a blue news station or a red news station, right? It's opinions. It's not, um, when I was growing up, you, it was just the news, right? It literally, you, you weren't allowed to have an opinion. It was strictly the news and you were just giving the news as it was so that you could make a decision based on the information you got. Um, now we're trying, we're getting influenced everywhere. There's a great book that's called Humans Are Underrated. And um, I think it's Jeff Colvin. And it shows how people are using their devices so often that they've literally are failing the empathy test. They're not able to read people the same. And technology has had that impact, but then add the pandemic into it and add the fear into it. Um, you know, I went and got my um, a car, I had the oil changed and um, I went to the dealership and I had been with a dealership that had done a phenomenal job. These people were definitely not the same. And I, I asked how long it was going to be really busy, um, asked them how long it was going to be. They said it was going to be about an hour, about three and a half hours into it. I started asking questions and I said, this is ridiculous. And instead of even having the, you know, I'm sorry, what can we do to make it up to you? Hey, we're running behind or even coming in and saying that to you. Um, they were just like, you know, shrugging their shoulders like that's the way it always is. And I've seen that in so many people of like, mm. that's just the way it always is. And and not, uh, maybe it's, they're not personalizing out of fear, but the we have right now in the world, we have a minister of loneliness for the country of Japan. That's never happened before. We have a minister of loneliness for Britain and there are more suicides than there are people dying from COVID. And it's, loneliness, the last Surgeon General actually wrote a book on loneliness called Together. People are becoming more and more lonely because of technology. And then we add in this giant pandemic and um, we have human beings that want to be great neighbors and they want to be part of a community again. And man, do they miss hugs and uh, miss connection. But social distancing doesn't mean I have to be distant. Right? Right. And yet a lot of them are really distancing themselves so that, you know, Tell me how often you're getting good service as opposed to terrible service, you know, and that's comes from indifference. There isn't anything. There's there's not a value section there. And I think it's a combination of the pandemic and of technology jumping in. It is supposed to be about the human behind that device and the human behind that transaction. It's not just supposed to be about that actual transaction. Um, you think about all the things that you've done in your life and the times you've been the most successful. It's been when you've built a better relationship, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you're absolutely right. It's, um, I mean, look, relationships, it's a, it's an easy word to throw around. Um, cause a lot of people will, 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 will use that word, but to actually build them, to actually be a part of that is, uh, is a, a really important, a key, key piece to what you're talking about. Right. And even the success, right? I have a really close girlfriend who was talking about investing in real estate and she was watching a little too much HGTV, right? Yeah. Um, and she's in the mortgage business. She's a great kid. And she was. I said, why do you want to invest? Tell me why you want to invest. And she said, well, I want to be able to help, uh, you know, leave a legacy for my children. She's a single mom. Um, and so I think this would be a great opportunity. And I said, you know, you've done pretty good for yourself preparing financially. She's in the mortgage business tell me a little bit more. And she said, I just really want to do this. And I want to make a difference in people's lives, you know, showing them possibilities. And I said, you know, you of anybody I know had a terrific divorce. She really did. They had a great 
uh, mediator. They made sure they lived close enough by so that the kids were happy. I mean, they did the right stuff for the right reasons. They never got into this war. And so she really wanted to show other people that opportunity. And I said, look, you don't paint your own nails. You don't buy your own groceries. You don't mow your own lawn. You don't clean your own house. You don't belong rehabbing a house, right? I mean, that's not who you are. So now after you're telling me that, she lives in a town that is very high end in uh, New Hampshire, which has one of the best public school systems in the state. I said, people that get a divorce that live here are going to want to stay in this town and keep their kids in the school. I would buy condos so that they can move in. They're probably going to, once they split the income in half, probably some of them are going to have to rent and help them out so that they can get back to that point of ownership, but they can build that connection. And maybe you can share some of your experiences. So here she is now with 40 properties that are $400 a month up. Didn't hurt her too bad either, right? You're welcome. (laughs) Um, But she was able to help these people too. She found Elaine, but honestly, she would have been lying down on linoleum in a fetal position if she had tried to rehab a house because it's not who she is. Uh, we can find somebody's lane and help give them get better. And, and, and there's such a big difference between happiness and fulfillment. And I think that we can really fulfill a lot of people's dreams if we're doing the right stuff for the right reasons. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm watching the clock and I need to get you going, but, but I, I do have to ask this. A little birdie told me, okay, it was a net. A little birdie told me <laughs> that, that you have a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, yes. No guest has ever, we've never talked about this before. <laughs> I'm actually um, working now towards becoming a master. So, um, yeah. I, and my husband is a master. Everyone in my house is a second degree, degree black belt or above. Wow. So pretty much the wrong house to break into. I was going to say, uh, stay away stay away from the Bunnell house. But you, but you know what? We have, um, there's very, a lot of different martial arts. And um, Taekwondo is very much about the mind-body connection. Um, and it's also about bettering the sport. So it's not just about fighting, right? I know what to do and I know how to do it. My hands are registered. I can break bricks with my hands and I've won a lot of fights, but that's not, it's really much more for the mind body connection. And it's much more for the self-discipline than it is any other part of it. And don't get me wrong. I love to fight and, um, and I, and I love to negotiate, but you like to do it in fair circumstances, right? Um, that you're always going with somebody that's either at your same level of above or above so that you're pushing yourself and you're pushing your limits and, and figuring out what it is that you can, um, what you can do. And for me, even just raising a family, we wanted to make sure that we all had a common ground. So for us, it's martial arts and reading. We have a love of reading and we all love martial arts. Mind body connection, uh, is, and they throw the reading on top of it. That's just gold. Um, Tammy, I, it's, I, I asked the same question to every guest at the end of the episode. So I've got 275 answers to this question and, and now it's your turn. And that is what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? <laughs> and I, I get one, maybe I, two. Only get, I, I get one. Can I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try and push for two. Okay. Here. All right. Go ahead. And so, um, my first piece of advice is do as much homework on the person as you do on the product. Because when you can walk in and really add value to a person's life, they're going to remember that. And everybody's different. And people move because of their circumstances. So if somebody's in the middle of a divorce, if they're expecting, if they're uh, adding family members, if they're um, becoming empty nesters, if they're making more money or they're making less money, my, my 
emotional radar needs to be on. I need to have that emotional intelligence to be able to connect with that person. Um, that would be the most important thing to me. But the second most important thing, which I think is just, uh, I've coached a lot of top brokers across the world. And I can tell you that this is the one thing they come back to me with all the time and agents as well. And that is bringing your blueprint to life. So I always recommend having an action plan. Book off four hours every month, halfway through the month, because more stuff hits the fan in the beginning and the end of the month, and plan in advance. So March 15th, I plan until April 30th. April 15th, I plan until May 31st. And I look ahead. What do I have for appointments? How can I maximize on that? What do I need to learn? Who should I be speaking to? So who should I be bringing with me? Right. And so that I'm maximizing on every experience, but I make sure that it's a life plan, not just a business plan, mm. so that you can better every facet of your life, not just your business, because that's going to be what's going to help you stick with it. You know, we have a running joke, which came be first real estate or divorce. Right. Um, but if I can have that whole entire plan so I can maximize on the experience that we're in the experience economy for that buyer or seller, but I can also maximize on the experience for my child or my significant other or my community or whatever the priorities are for me. Um, you'll just get better and better at it every single, every single month. And that to me works better than anything. You're literally bringing it to life. And so you're living with deliberate intent. Tammy, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, well, you can either send to, to email me tammy at exitrealty.com but probably the best so they can communicate the way they'd like to because they can call email or text if you text 85377 and then punch in my first name spelled a little differently t-a-m-i and just hit send you'll get my mobile business card sent to your phone if you hit the black button i'll get put into your phone um if give me 24 to 48 hours to get back to you i always return my calls but i I, I do have a lot of work to do, but I promise I always return my calls. Tammy, this you you're now one of my top New Englanders. This is this has just been a great conversation. I I love I love the way you uh, you embrace what you do. I love the the care you show for for your for your company and for for everyone else in the industry. This has just been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know you better, and um, it was really fun and. Um, Maybe we'll have a few uh, bets across the next year on a couple of sports. <laughs> Great. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Mm -hmm.